Hello and welcome to a blockbuster episode of Pockstoppers Receipts. I'm your host, Tyler Callahan. This episode is so big, in fact, I'm throwing out the usual outline and I'm jumping right into the story that is shaking Hollywood right now. So what am I talking about? Well, I'm talking about AT&T giving up on Hollywood. That's right, it has been announced that they are spinning off Warner Media completely to Discovery. So let's go over first what is happening. And I only have some knowledge of finance, so uh, please bear with me. AT&T and Discovery reached an agreement where WarnerMedia would be spun off and merged with Discovery to become a brand new entertainment company. So what does AT&T get out of this? Well, besides needing to keep some debt securities and some of WarnerMedia's debt, they do get $43 billion in cold, hard cash to pay off their massive debt pile. That may sound impressive, but they have so much debt. Even using all of that to pay it down, brings it to 80 to 90 billion dollars left still. For Discovery, well, their CEO David Zalas will run the new company, so now he has a lot more power in Hollywood. Uh, And AT&T shareholders will also get a chance to get some shares of the new company if the deal goes through, which is expected to happen sometime in 2022. Now let's try to break down the changes and reactions for HBO Max. Nothing changes right now, however, There have already been talk that after the deal is done, there may be a bundle or a new tier that would include Discovery content. You know, they just had their own streaming service start this year. As for Warner Brothers' studio, right now nothing changes except they are getting new owners. What is being reported, the buzz around Hollywood, is that people are happy with this move. From the start, people are running easy, having these massive companies come in, tell them what to do. So Discovery is not the cream of the crop of content. They do understand how the business works, and this new company will be 100% focused on making good content not to add it to a package to sell phones or internet. There's one name I have not mentioned yet, and that is Jason Killer. You know, the head of Warner Media. That is because he did not even know this was happening until a day before it leaked to the media. Yep, old talks between AT&T and Discovery, higher-ups, Killer had no say. Between that and not being picked to run a new company, it comes as no surprise that it's being reported he is meeting with lawyers to work on his exit from Warner Media. For that, I can't blame him. I will say more about Killer when I make my own HBO Max uh, Box Office Plus episode, which by the way, the script for that has been torn up now with this massive change. But while he was brash in his methods and pissed people off in doing so, he had put HBO Max on the path for success. Day and day release gave the service a shot in the arm of content it really needed, and he closed the deals needed to be done to get on Fire TV and Roku. You know, where the customers are. But hey, this is the typical shitty things AT&T does. They gave him car blanche to get the service running, he did it, and his reward is to be stabbed in the back. Now yes, he'll probably be leaving with a couple of million dollars, but still stabbed in the back. I understand people will be happy how this turned out for Killer, and they have every every right to considering how he blindsided Hollywood, but still I feel it sucks to see uh, see this happen. So what do I think about this? Well, it's definitely a shocker, I'll give you that. But on the flip side, I'm not surprised AT&T bailed on this. Clearly they are more focused on paying off their debt because they cannot be a fast-growing company again until that's under control. You know, having 140, 50 billion dollars at debt's an issue. But the fact that they just did it this quick, in the dark, was surprising. Not so the new company itself. My two concerns are that the new CEO and the executives at Discovery, uh, I hope they do not ruin the IPs Warner Media currently has because you know, Discovery, again, is not known for top quality content these days. Another issue I have is I hope I'm able to keep my regular HBO Max plan. If my only option, for example, is to pay more and get Discovery content as well, then I'm canceling. I don't care for that content. I will say, for HBO Max exclusive content, I wonder if the plan changes 
as they wait for the approval to merge. If they, for example, halt some of the shows being made, that would be a bad move, as the day and date releases end in December, so they won't have Warner Brothers movies to cover it up. It's going to be a very interesting year in Hollywood. Well, <laughs> it has been already, but now even more interesting. Taking a look at some numbers now, and there's some good news and bad news for Spiral. Good news is it did open in first place. The bad news is that it underperformed and came in at 8.7 million. In second place was Wrath of Man, which made 3.7 million for a total of 14.6 million. Opening in third place was a new movie from Warner Brothers, Those Who Wish Me Dead, which did not do great, opening with 2.8 million. In fourth place was Demon Slayer, which made 1.7 million for a total of 41.9 million. Lastly, in fifth place was Raya and the Last Dragon, which made 1.7 million for a total of 46.1 million. Now, we did have another new release over the weekend, which was the limited release of Army of the Dead at Cinemark locations. That came in at 9th place with 780,000, which isn't bad for technically 430 theaters. Going back to Spiral, while it was off a few mil for my uh, prediction, as well as others, it's still a disappointment to see because, to be honest, I feel getting 10 to 15 million was a pretty low bar anyway, and I couldn't do it. I think what hurt it was one, the mixed reviews it was getting. And I think some people not knowing it was a Saw movie. With the weak support the movie has been getting so far, I do not expect its likes to do well. And will probably finish domestically between 20 to 25 million. Those Who Wish Me Dead got a lot better reviews than Spiral. But the issue there was I think Warner Brothers did not market it as much and it just looks more like a HBO Max movie. Not to say it looks bad, but it looks more like a more serious drama movie like The Little Things than say a Godzilla vs. Kong. Domestically, we are now just waiting for Memorial Day weekend which will bring us two big movies with A Quiet Place Part 2 and Cruella, with the former already getting good reviews. Looking at the Chinese box office, Cliff Walker's cruise to another weekend wind, ending up in first place with 16.6 million for a total of 147 million. In second place was Break Through the Darkness with 10.2 million for a total of 52.7 million. Wrath of Man took third place with 8.6 million for a total of 17.5 million. Remember, it opened in China last Monday, so it already had a few days before the weekend. Finally, in fifth place, was the re-release of The Return of the King with 3.4 million. Just like America, China is also waiting for their next big movie, but instead of what we are getting, uh, they are looking forward towards F9, which I believe comes out next weekend over there. I also saw that Universal was planning an event for the release of the movie in China, but I had to cancel it due to security concerns. Apparently, they received threats, and out of an abundance of caution, they will not hold the event. The movie's still being released in theaters with no delay, but I thought that was interesting. So far, I have not found any details on the threat itself. For the numbers over the weekend, Cliff Walker's is clearly the big winner for Chinese movies over the spring, and with more competition compared to last month, the last Lord of the Rings re-release did less than the other two. For worldwide numbers, Wrath of Man has been doing great so far with it at 56 million worldwide, thanks to its release in China. Spiral has opened to a worldwide total of 13.9 million. Peter Rabbit 2 is releasing in more countries now and is at 21.1 million worldwide. And we'll be releasing in the UK next weekend, so we will have numbers for the for that next time. Those Who Wish Me Dead is also doing poorly in other countries for its opening weekend, with a worldwide total of 7.2 million. Not great for Warner Brothers. Mortal Kombat is at 76.7 million, and Raya and the Last Dragon is at 107.4 million worldwide. With the numbers out of the way, let's talk about the second biggest story. That's right, it's not all just about Warner Media this week, as MGM may have found a buyer in Amazon. Variety is reporting that both companies are currently in negotiations, with Amazon looking to buy the studio at $9 billion. Obviously, nothing is official yet, as talk is still ongoing, but in the end, 
MGM being sold is not surprising. They have been looking for a good buyer over the past few months, and depending on the price, we're, we're willing to sell. My surprise is that Apple is not looking to buy them. They were my number one pick to buy the studio with Amazon being second. I guess this means either they don't care on spending money up front to improve TV+, and that they'll work on it over time, which could make sense, or maybe they just don't really care about TV+, it's like an add-on thing. We don't know. But with them not buying it, I guess that $9 billion kind of makes sense. Apple's biggest buyout ever was for Beats a few years ago, and that was only for $3 billion. Clearly, while they have the cash to buy whatever they want, they do have $200 billion of it. They are very frugal with it, and but I do feel like if this was one time to open a checkbook and just write whatever you need to get TV Plus up and running faster, this would be it. Watch, they do something crazy like spend $40, $50 billion and buy Viacom CBS. You know, just throw in Paramount Plus and TV Plus. <laughs> but let's not get crazy here. For Amazon, though, this is a great buy for them. They already have a decent amount of first-party content, so this will only help them improve their catalog. For them, I do wonder how they will manage MGM. Will it be a hands-off or demand certain movies be made? Also, will Amazon now start to focus on theatrical releases or will movies like Creed 3 be prime only? Assuming this deal goes through, uh, it could be a more interesting situation to watch than Discovery. More than a media merger because we do not know how Amazon will run the studio. Also, um, we do have the James Bond situation. Uh, you know, while MGM does work with Eon to produce and distribute the movies, Eon and the, the, the family that owns the rights of James Bond may not be too happy with this deal. And if they hear that, well, the next James Bond movie, you know, whoever they get after Daniel Craig in four or five years, if that big $200 million movie is going to Prime Video, they might just, they might, they might try and crash this deal. So a lot of interesting pieces here. For new movie announcements, we got a nice surprise with Attack the Block 2 being announced. The first one is actually 10 years old now, and besides being a good movie, it started the career of John Boyega. Deadline has the exclusive with this, and it's confirmed Boyega will be coming back for the movie, as well as director Joe Cornish. As for who will produce it, it will be a mix of Studio Canal and Film 4 taking the lead, with Upper Room Productions and Complete Fiction Pictures also working on it. No details about the plot or when the movie would even come out were announced. Personally, I'm looking forward to this. I really enjoyed the first one. Just hope after 10 years it's less of a cash grab and more of them having a good story to tell. As we head into the summer movie season, we got some new trailers that came out this week. First up is the teaser trailer for Paramount Snake Eyes, and it looks good. I'm a fan of Henry Golding and the action they teased look good. Not a fan of the music they used, but whatever. However, it was only a minute long, so it remains to be seen how the action is edited, which, with this being more of a martial arts movie, will make or break it. We also got the first trailer for the final Hotel Transylvania movie, Transformia. I think it'll do decent, but for me, hearing the lack of Adam Sandler is very noticeable, with the new force being a bit deeper, but it's not like the kids watching it will really care. Got some news for VOD Premium as well. For Netflix, we got a vampire thriller movie in production. Deadline has the exclusive on this. Netflix will work with 21 laps on the vampire movie called Uprising which is based on a book called A People's History of the Vampire Uprising. Basically, an outbreak happens, and instead of zombies, we get vampires. No one is casted yet, but we do have a director, Travis Knight, signing on to the film. You will know him from directing Bumblebee. Jeremy Slater is also right now writing up a draft of the screenplay. Seems like a decent idea for a movie, but for me, my interest in it will be how the vampires act. I would like to see some intelligence and make it more harder for humans to stay unturned. Like if they can blend in with humans for a period of time, these are things that can make the movie better. Because I feel the vampires just act like zombies. It would basically just be a zombie movie. And that ain't interesting. For Paramount Plus, we got a 
another Pet Cemetery movie. Deadline is also reporting on this with Paramount looking to make another Pet Cemetery movie exclusive for Paramount+. Plus. Not only that, they have lined up Lindsay Beer as director, and while she has been a screenwriter for a long time, this will be her directorial debut. So good for her. But besides that, it is unclear if this will be a direct sequel to one from a few years ago, or a new take on the story. If it's just a new take on the story, I feel what is the point of it existing? I know the recent version was not well that received, but when this movie comes out, how are you going to sell it? We now have all three versions of the same book on Paramount+. Plus. Eh, that's, that's not really a sell, come on. I would feel some kind of sequel to a movie, or maybe the series that involves, I say, a full town instead of just a family could make it more interesting and fresh. We'll see how it goes. Finally, we end this episode where we started with Warner Media, but more specifically HBO Max. We finally got more details on their ad-supported tier, so let's talk about it. Launching in the first week of June, the ad-supported tier will cost $9.99 per month. Besides the fact that there are ads, there are two main things that the tier stands out. First, any actual HBO content will be ad-free, which makes sense because HBO is famous for not having ads especially since it started out as the high-end package you would add to your cable plan. The second is that all day-and-date Warner Brothers movies will not be available on this plan. So first off, I like the layout of the plan. I think keeping the HBO status, you could say, as ad-free stays the same, and the Warner Brothers movies being in the now premium tier makes sense. You need some exclusive content for the people paying the most money. My issue with this is the price. I think $9.99 is too high. Simple as that. Disney Plus is now $8 but no ads, and Paramount Plus' ad tier is $6, a lot more reasonably priced. So I think for HBO Max to actually be competitive, this tier should be $7 per month at $9.99. It seems like it just exists to upsell you to the full plan. And that'll be it for this week's episode of Box Office Seats. simple question for the episode is, what do you think of Warner Media Move? Do you like it? Or do you think the new entertainment company will not be any good? Let me know on Facebook. Link to the page is in the show notes. Thank you for listening. See you next time. Thank you.